Welcome to the Rock and Road podcast. This is episode two of the fifth series. This week, I try out the new look Ducati Monster. I speak to Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull about making albums, touring, and some career paths he tried before becoming a musician. My son Dexter reviews the new movie, The Bad Guys. We hear from Emma Franklin from MCN, the motorcycle newspaper. And I'll tell you about my new radio show. But first, the motorbike. Today I have a Ducati Monster. And these are legendary. They've been around since 1993. They feature a sporty engine, but perfect for road use, combined with a superbike-derived frame. Now, this new monster is the naked sports bike that is suitable for everyone, and it's meant to be very light, easy to handle, and fun. For 2021-22, they have simplified the monster range, and they've updated it, stripped back the bike itself, and uh, made it a bit more user-friendly. The engine is now the bigger 937cc, shared with the Supersport and some of their other bikes as well. It's got a new clutch, new cylinder head, and all kinds of new parts to it. A weight of just 188 kilograms. Nice and light, lots of power. So let's try it out. Let's take the steering lock off. Turn the key round on. Stand up. Let's fire it up. Wow, that, that is a gorgeous engine sound. Okay, let's go. We're in first gear. Let's get it off the drive. Oh, nothing coming. Let's go. <laughs> oh, wow. This is so fast and light at the same time. So what they had to be careful of when they brought out this newer version is to keep the essence of the old monster going that's been around since the early 90s. So they didn't want to get it wrong, but they did want to change it up a little bit. One of the things they've done is to drop the trademark trellis frame. And uh, this apparently caused some raised eyebrows at the time. Would this work? Is this a mistake? But if anything, it feels even more monster-like. It's so narrow and light and small. You feel like you're riding a 250 in terms of agility and throwing it around, comfort and size. But it's like a 950 engine. No wonder these are popular. And talking of that weight reduction, they've managed to lose 18 kilograms. That is a lot. Oh, it's just a dream to swing around the corners. I'm just turning around at the petrol station. The turning circle has been improved, so you can do a U-turn in one hit. It's got a more upright handlebar position than previous models. The bars are actually 70 millimetres nearer you as the rider. Pegs feel quite far back and further down, but I think that's a deliberate move to get that sporty feel. Now I've got my feet flat on the ground with my knees slightly bent, so really comfortable. The seat height is 820 millimetres, 
but you can have an optional seat configuration going down to 795 or even lower to 775 using the suspension lowering kit so if you're a bit shorter uh, this could still really work for you really agile as i said um, and the idea of this bike is to deliver the best of both worlds so a really thrilling ride for more experienced riders with the fast engine the sporty feel to it but also accessible for newer riders as well with it being so light and uh, comfortable and having that adjustment for the height let's have a look at the screen teaming with technology there's a new 4.3 inch color tft dash and you can opt between three different riding modes eight stage traction control and check this out as well it's even got a wheelie and launch control if you fancy doing some wheelies on this only downside i found is the indicator is quite a stretch for my thumb i don't really have small hands but i find it it's quite a stretch and quite far out that's the only bit of discomfort and the clutch is quite heavy um, when you've been in traffic for a while it does start to hurt but those are the only two downsides i can find so far i've just pulled over at marks and spencer's petrol station and uh, just while i was looking at the tft screen then i still had the engine on i just switched it off and some guy at the cash machine goes oi that's so noisy yeah it's noisy it's a beautiful sound The Ducati Monster, two variants available, the Monster and Monster Plus, actually won the award last year for the best small naked at the 2021 MCN Awards. Prices are around £11,000. This is the Rock and Road podcast, Leona here, and now my chat with Ian Anderson of Jethro Tull. Welcome to the podcast, Ian Anderson. Hi, Ian, how are you? Well, I'm about the same as I was yesterday, and at my age, continuity is everything. <laughs> okay, well, we'll take that as a good thing then. Um, now, Jethro Tull's got a new album out after almost 20 years. What has brought this about? Well, in 2017, I started work on a new project, and I decided that um, since the members of the band had been playing with me for you know, really quite a long time that it would be a good opportunity to uh, release it as Jethro Tell and they finally get to be on a Tell album since it's the longest standing lineup of Jethro Tell um, since we began and um, you know we obviously played, they, they have played hundreds and hundreds of concerts as members of Jethro Tell, it's just they've never been on an album released simply as Jethro Tell because the album's from um, well basically from 2004 onwards I think were all released under my own name. Can you tell me uh, what the yeah. album is about? There's a themes and inspiration for the album? The, the, the album began in 2017 when we recorded seven tracks um, and then we were on the road for much of 2018 and 19. I only got round to finishing four of them when uh, the pandemic hit so we were then thrust into an 18-month lockdown effectively since we couldn't really get together in the studio to work or to do any concerts but the um, you know it finally got finished off in the spring of last year and I del delivered it to uh, um, the record company in uh, June I think of last year but we had to wait for more months because of the time it takes to get vinyl pressed these days there are so few vinyl pressing plants left anywhere in the world that it um, you're in a long queue most of the well even the, 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 the four or three or four major record companies 
are quoting usually at least a year from delivery of an album to uh, getting it pressed in vinyl, which That's is a been crazy a long waiting wait, list. Hasn't it? A really long wait. Yeah, you'd be easier getting a hip operation on the NHS would come sooner, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> That's so true, Ian. So tell us um, about the actual album and any themes. Well, I set out back in 2017 to write a bunch of songs, each one about a different strong human emotion or condition. And I made a long list of, of single word um, references for myself, words like anger, rage, jealousy, vengeance, greed, um, and then a bunch of nice things like different kinds of love and companionship and loyalty and compassion. And I looked at my long list and I thought, oh, they, they're all words I remember reading in the Bible in various contexts. So I decided on a whim to do a, um, an internet search of the use of those words in the Bible and came up with uh, a few references, biblical text, which just served as a comparison point, really, because I think really all but one of the songs, and even that one is, is contemporary but you know most of the songs they they are they are about the world we live in today they're not the world of the bible although one lyrically tends to be rooted in the bible but the the um the subtext the uh, the analogy um is good for today's world too so you know i'm not i'm not writing some people have assumed this is not um musically illustrating text from the Bible. It's not as simple as that. I just like to have comparison points. It's nice if something works on more than one level. So forgive me for um, taking a more intellectual approach to writing lyrics, but somebody's got to do it. <laughs> yes. If I it mean, was so you easy, you'd all be at it. You mentioned um, the human condition are in a rage. And I love this quote from you about social media. Um, uh, Let loose by the aerosol spray can of social media. Um, how do you think social media has affected us as humans then? And have you tried to explore that in the songs? Well, I think it applies really in the title track, The Zealot Gene, which, you know, some folk might draw comparisons at, given the time it was written, a few months after Donald Trump uh, became president of the USA, that it's making reference to him. And, and, and I guess it is, but it's also making reference to a whole bunch of other um populist leaders who will use media in order to try and indoctrinate their public and you you know that that, that is so evident in the world today of um, of modern Russia where Putin controls the state media and um, controls it with an iron hand so you know the, the song song was written back in 2017 but um, nonetheless it's it's very applicable to the world we're living in this week and I, yes. I think you know, if you're going to be a songwriter, it's good to be able to come up with ideas that are not rooted to a particular point in time, because then after a few years or a few decades, it merely becomes nostalgia. And um, I don't get nostalgic about homeless people, even though I wrote a, the song Aqualung in 1971. So, you know, it's nice if you can write things that have a currency, you know, they, they have a contemporary point of reference and and you know luckily I've been able to do that on a few occasions I am not the guy who wrote if you're going to San Francisco be sure to wear some flowers in your hair <laughs> that was another guy not me okay well thank you for clarifying so you talked um, about the the lyrics and the inspiration for the songs what about the musical side of the songs how do you compose the music side quickly uh, I, I, I am a pretty fast worker and you know I try to do 
you know, if I'm writing lyrics, I'll try and do a first draft of lyrics in an hour or so, and then I'll go back and look at it next day and and um, edit and refine and perhaps do that three or four times before I actually get to the point of singing the song in the studio in order to record it. Now you are a multi-instrumentalist. Which instrument did you learn first? The guitar, um, which to this day is still perhaps the instrument I would most often use for, for writing music, and I, I play it a little bit on stage. But sometimes melodies will occur to me either in a very abstract way if I'm walking down the street and some humming to myself yeah. in the midst of rush hour traffic, so suddenly a tune comes into my head. And um, sometimes it's when I'm just practicing or playing the flute for fun, you know, I've got an idea for a melody. I love the fact that you use the flute and it just got, makes your songs have a really beautiful, unique sound. But, but just going back to the 60s, um, when you first started out, what was it like in the 60s starting out in a band? Was it hard to get, get begun and get noticed? Well, I think it was easier than it would be today. Um, you know, these days, you are just another band on YouTube and the world is absolutely full of people wanting to be professional, successful pop and rock musicians. But uh, I, I have to say it was probably easier. The, the odds against being successful back in the 60s were maybe a thousand to one. These days it's got to be 10,000 to one. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, this, it's, it's going to be a rough ride for people who burn their boats. So my advice to young musicians is go for it. You know, follow your dream. Give it everything you've got for a couple of years, but have a plan B and a plan C, which is what I had back in 1967. What was your plan B and C? Well, actually, plan A back then was to be a policeman. And um, and I got as far as trying to enrol as a police cadet in Blackpool in 1966, I think it was. But they turned me down because I had too many O levels. And then they I turned you tried because you had too many O levels. Yeah, well, they gave me sensible advice, which is go back to school, get your A levels, get a degree in law, and then come see me again, and we'll, we'll give you a really good job in the police force, which was sensible, if avuncular advice. But I. I um, I wanted to get going and you know follow a career track in the police force. You know I wanted to sit my sergeant's exam in my late twenties and and be an inspector at the age of thirty. You know I, I thought thought of it very much as a career, but um, that wasn't to be. So I decided Plan B would be to be a journalist, and I went along to the Blackpool Evening Gazette and offered my services uh, to uh, be a trainee journalist and make the tea and run errands or do whatever I had but they said they had no vacancies so I ended up having to go for plan C which um, was to become an international rock star so that's <laughs> where I ended up. I can't believe that was like the last resort that's mm. so funny. Well it well, was it was it was as far as my parents are concerned. They, oh, I bet they, were. <laughs> they, they weren't they weren't um, overly excited about my uh, <laughs> heading in that direction but um, you know, three or four years later, I managed to buy them a house and uh, they could retire. And so they were, um, from a, a purely pragmatic point of view, accepted my career choice finally. Yeah, I bet they did. Oh, that's just such a great story. So that's how it all began for you. W what about the sort of 70s and 80s? What were they like for you? Well, the 70s were a period of, of, um, of continued growth in popularity around the world. and. And then I suppose we, 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 
from a, an outside point of view, we soared to, to, to heights, you know, playing many shows at Madison Square Gardens in New York and Shea Stadium. We were the first band since the Beatles to perform in Shea Stadium. And, um, you know, the sign of success, you know, with big selling albums and mega tours in many countries, that was from the outside looked like a big success story, but it wasn't something I was really enjoying very much because I didn't like playing enormous domes uh, to huge audiences. I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a theatre and concert hall kind of a guy. That's my, that's my, that's my happy hunting ground. So I don't like doing festivals. I don't like doing big sports stadiums or arenas. And but you know, it, it's nice. It's nice to to walk out in front of several thousand people in a, a bigger place once in a while. But you know, I'm 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 more comfortable playing indoors on a on a theatre stage. Yes, it's it's probably the um, the inner thespian in me trying <laughs> to get out. You know, I like to ham it up a little bit. And Was that one of your career choices as well to be an act actor? Well, funnily enough, it absolutely is not because I know <laughs> I don't have that talent and skill. I've been offered a few movie roles um, in my life and I have politely turned them all down pointing out that I didn't feel up to the task and certainly don't want to make a fool of myself by by attempting it. Coming up to the present day now, what tour plans have you got and uh, are you looking forward to getting out on the road? Well we went back on the road at the end of August last year after a year and a half of no work for band and crew and everybody was you know pretty desperate to try and get some you know, get get a paycheck in really to pay the grocery bill or the mortgage repayments or whatever. So it was um, long overdue. But since the end of August, we played in several countries during last year and had to learn to negotiate all the complex rules and COVID protocols that were a whole different world to the one that we left in 2019. But um, you know, I guess now we have got fairly used to it, and indeed things are a little easier now than they were few months ago in terms of travel, uh, at least in most countries that we're visiting. So we're playing catch-up in, uh, you know, from 2020 and 2021, we had, we had um, tours that were rescheduled, not once, not twice, but three times. So uh, if, if, we if we were going to Russia in September, which we're contracted to do, but obviously will not, under the current situation, be doing, it would have been the fourth rescheduling. People bought their tickets back in 2019, and I've not showed up for work yet. Wow. And, and looks like I won't. And that, that to me is a ethical failure. You know, I feel really awful about letting people down. You know, it is embarrassing when people have, you know, you're sitting on their money. Well, I'm not sitting on their money, but the ticket agencies or the promoters are, and you know, that, that feels wrong, you know, yeah. to have to wait all this time to, finally attend the concert but I mean it's lovely that you got those sentiments towards your fans and I'm sure that's uh, very much appreciated but um, obviously really hope that you can get out and do these dates um, well, we, we, we are uh, we will be because I have booked and paid for the flights and <laughs> the promoters have paid for the hotels <laughs> and the, but we've got to be prepared for things to go belly up again and with COVID you certainly can't be counting out Mr Omicron's nasty cousin who might be waiting in the wings to make the big entry <laughs> I love the way you put that. Well, um, it's another, another thespian illusion, isn't yes. it? Yes. OK, well, thank you so much for telling us all about the new album and the tour dates, touch wood, all going ahead. And uh, lovely to have you on the show and uh, great to catch up with you. Well, and uh, nice to talk to you too and uh, good luck to all your 
listeners, and I hope uh, I hope uh, the rest of this year um, proves to be a whole lot better than the last two. Thank you, Ian. Okie dokie, good to talk. Hi, Dexter. Hi. How you doing? Good. So we went to see the bad guys last weekend, yeah. and it's not out until the 1st of April. Some people might not have seen it yet. So let's have a review from you. You're eight years old. What did you think of the film? Eight and a half. Oh, sorry, eight and a half, to be correct. Uh, Dexter, aged 8.5, what did you think of the film? It was very good and very funny. What was funny about it? About the piranha, because it's really crazy. <laughs> yeah, the piranha's crazy. So there's some characters in it who are like a team of baddies, aren't they, or criminals. Who's in the team? A wolf, a snake, a spider, a tarantula and a shark. And Mr Piranha. Oh, yeah, Mr Piranha. <laughs> so these guys, they, ha they, they, they want to change their reputation. What happens when he wags his tail? Oh, that means he's getting a good feeling. Yeah, so somebody calls him a good boy for the first time ever and he wags his tail and he quite likes it and he thinks, oh, maybe being good could be quite nice. And then what happens? They're actually pretending to be good so they can win our award. That's right. So there's a bit of a twist in the story. Won't tell you any more than that. But there's some, some really funny bits. What, what's the funniest part? Oh, I think when the, uh, the wolf tames a cat and then uh, and when they were trying to get away... That his cat got stuck in a tree and then he got the cat and put sunglasses on it and it looked like he was one of the bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the cat just joined up with the team. It was really cute. Um, yeah, a really, really funny film. We were laughing out loud and fully gripped for the whole time. It's out on the 1st of April and if you want to see the trailer, just uh, follow me on Rock and Road Pod. Bye. The MCN Minute on the Rock and Road Podcast. Hi, Emma. How are you? Oh, I'm really good, Leona. How are you? Yeah, great, thank you. What's been happening in your world? Oh, well, this week we've been at um, Alton Park as my partner uh, races in the ACU 250 National Championship. So we've been um, at racetracks all weekend doing some winning. So it's all good. Oh, wow. A biking couple. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're How both mad cool. for it. Yeah, very good. <laughs> so uh, what's happening in the paper, the MCN Motorcycle News this week? Right, so this week we've got news from exciting British small volume bike fan Langen. So if you've been at the shows over the past year, you probably will have seen their Langen two-stroke, which is their lovely 250cc cafe racer uh, two-stroke. Um, but they've sort of um, they've been chatting to our senior reporter Dan about what their next plans are, and the big story is they're not going to build any more two-strokes, so it's going to be a different future for them. So they're oh. actually planning um, four strokes, a four-stroke model, and also an electric as well. So it's a bit of a shocker, really, but exciting wow but electric is the way forward isn't it really well that's what that's what they're saying but yeah it's 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 one path i think isn't it and there's lots of talk about synthetic fuels and things like that but yeah langan are obviously thinking that two stroke they've got to be um two strokes out and electric could be in yes you sound reluctant what are your views on electric motorbikes uh, I think they've got a place, sort of, um, sort of that last sort of like. Innocent... The way you said that, they've got a place. Yeah, they've got a place. But it ain't with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not against them at all. I think they're really good. But I think for like the urban sort of last mile sort of um, commutery journeys and stuff like that. But I think for recreational biking and touring and things like that, I think there'll be a different. There'll be a different sort of 
internal combustion engine sort of around the corner that can use different fuels that are more green. That's what okay, yeah, that sounds like a good solution yeah. to that. Okay, what else? Uh, well, so obviously uh, the BSB season started to get underway this weekend with the first official test um, at Snetterton. So it was the first time we got to see Tom Sykes, who's come from WSB. So he's on the PBM Ducati for the first time. And we also got to see reigning champ um, Taz McKenzie back in action for the first time since he broke his leg during winter testing. So that was good to see. Um, and on the subject of the McKenzies, this week we've actually got a really good um, exclusive feature with um, Taz and his dad Neil who won the BSB championship 25 years ago so they're talking about the differences and similarities between their two championship winning seasons and it's sort of like just a good feature basically they're arguing about who who has it easier who's who's the better rider who's faster so it's a real a good fun feature for fans of BSB young and old really. Okay sounds awesome well it is the MCM motorcycle news the weekly paper loads of content on a weekly basis I don't know how you do it Emma. I don't know how we do it. <laughs> there is a lot and it's out every Wednesday and we look forward to uh, checking out the one we've been talking about this week. Thank you, Emma. Thank you. The MCN Minute on the Rock and Road podcast. Buy the latest issue in store and online at MotorcycleNews.com. This is the Rock and Road podcast. Leona Graham here. Now, don't miss my new radio show. Well, that is if you aren't asleep. Because the thing is, if you're in the UK, it's actually going to be on air in the middle of the night. But I'm going to tell you about it anyway. It's on a New Zealand radio station called The Sound. I'm doing a show there on Sundays from 2 till 7pm New Zealand time. So that is 2 till 7am on a Sunday morning, as we are behind by 12 hours. So if you're up all night on a Saturday or up at the crack of dawn on a Sunday, tune in. Of course, if you're in New Zealand, no excuses. I want you to listen every Sunday, 2 till 7pm, starting Sunday the 3rd of April. And you can find out more on thesound.co.nz. That's thesound.co.nz. Okay, well, that is it from the podcast this week. Once again, thank you so much for listening. It's hugely appreciated. Please uh, like me on the socials as well, at Rock and Road Pod. You'll see photographs from this week's episode on there as well, as well as previous episodes. Whatever format you're listening to it on, please like and review. Give us five stars. Go on, even if you don't like it. Uh, this is the Rock and Road Podcast. Catch you next time. Mm-hmm.